1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. There's a pretty cool prize. Hardwood tickets. Great tickets, in fact. Available to you. All you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app. Register. That's the key component. Register and you are eligible for the contest that is running right now. It is the extra point right here on this Thursday, November 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A Thursday night contest that we were very much looking forward to, but unfortunately, injuries. I think we're still looking forward to it, but injuries have uh, hit both teams in this contest, so we'll see how it all unfolds. But it happens to do with our KDOS1060.com poll question. Who do you have ATS tonight? The Bengals plus four or the Ravens minus four? And the Ravens minus four out in front at 67% of the vote. Bengals plus four at 33%. Bob also had a conversation with Luke Jones of WNST.net talking all things Ravens. Did he provide the magical answer, Bob, for what's going on with the Ravens in the fourth quarter? <laughs> he did not. If he had the magical uh, answer, he might be their head coach right now. So there you go. <laughs> fair fair enough. But if you uh, if you miss that interview, you can always podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. We, we did talk about it, though. Shockingly, we did get to that. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Yes. Well, yeah, me too. That, that would be, that would be uh, malpractice by a talk show host if I didn't get to that. And I think it was like the first question I asked. They were pretty close to it. (laughs) When it comes to the AFC North, the Browns have a great defense. We were maybe starting to see Deshaun Watson find his stride in the Browns offensive system, but his season is done now having to have shoulder surgery. Does Deshaun Watson's season-ending injury mean no postseason for the Browns? Yes, out in front at 72.2% of the vote. No sitting at 27.8%. This is on Twitter at KDOSAM. 1060 as it is right now Kevin Defansky has announced Dorian Thompson Robinson will be the starting quarterback in Sunday's game against the Steelers yeah and I understand you know, his explanation was you know the you know as you just you mentioned in the first hour that you know he had like you know 10 seconds notice before he found out he was going to start that game against the Ravens the first time so now he's got a full week and uh you know I also think that they're just tired of teaching you know, of, of Walker and him not being good so yeah Robinson certainly was really good in the preseason and I know it was the preseason but showed some signs and you know that's uh you know, we'll see how that how that goes but I I think that I under totally understand uh they've given he's got a whole week to prepare and you know and, and so forth so you know what the heck they've seen that Walker is you know not the answer let's I'll put it that way 
Uh, you know, let's stick here for a minute with Deshaun Watson before we dive into the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Deshaun Watson is set to have surgery next week. Now, this is just kind of interesting in itself. If you just think about uh, where the Browns could have been if they would have continued to to have Joshua Dobbs on their roster, right? So they trade Joshua Dobbs before the season officially gets started to the Cardinals. Um Then you had the fact that Deshaun Watson actually went down with that initial injury and there were more opportunities for the Browns to get him once again after the Cardinals made the decision to move forward with Kyler Murray, trade Joshua Dobbs before the trade deadline. He ends up going to Minnesota. Uh, So now the Browns are here in this particular situation with P.J. Walker and DTR. Uh, Just kind of curious if you think their situation would be any different, if you would view it any different if they had Joshua Dobbs, knowing what you know know of him on the roster uh no because i don't think joshua dobbs is very good i know that he's the flavor of the month here last two weeks at least you know he was good for a couple of games he was acceptable maybe not even really good with the cardinals and then he was bad uh and really his accuracy which has been a big problem in his college and nfl careers uh you know that was bad by the time he left here I'm guessing that it's going to get bad again when he's in Minnesota. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it got bad this week when they play at Denver. Uh, so I'm not, uh, you know, Dobbs is, a, you know, obviously we've gone through, he's the smartest guy in America. And, you know, I'm not joking about that. He might, he might be one of the smartest guys in America. And he's certainly uh, been smart enough to you know, figure out offenses and so forth. But his skill level is, uh, if it, you know, I don't think it's going to suddenly change and becomes an accurate quarterback. So I'd rather have Dorian Thompson. I think Thompson, DTR has a better chance to be an NFL starting quarterback long-term than Joshua Dobbs does. I don't really think that DTR has much of a chance to be an NFL starting quarterback long-term, but his chances are better than Josh Dobbs. Um. Do you consider the Browns defense to be in a category that's good enough to win games? So, you know, we touched a little bit on it in hour number one that uh, it drives Kevin Stefanski nuts to have turnovers. And when you look at what P.J. Walker is doing with one touchdown to five interceptions, that ratio is not great. So Mm -hmm. just be a quarterback that facilitates the ball. We're going to play the position game. We're going to play the time of possession game and we're going to let our our defense win us ball games yeah definitely i think their defense is good enough to win ball games you know, their special teams have been wildly erratic that's one of the reasons they've lost a game or two or a big reason they've lost a game or two and unfortunately they just can't keep offensive tackles healthy uh you know they're down obviously uh, their left tackle wills is going to be out he's on ir i believe he has to throw his three more games they're now down to their third right tackle and they actually were down to their third right tackle when they rallied to win the game against the Ravens last week. But, you know, their offensive line, when intact, is really good. But unfortunately, it's rarely been intact for two or three years running now, really since the, uh, the, the magical second half of the Baker-Mayfield year when they made the playoffs. At that time, clearly, that offensive line drove them into the playoffs more than even Baker did. And Baker was good. Uh, that particular year, but that was largely because that offensive line was really good in pass blocking, 
They were good at run blocking. They had a healthy Nick Chubb, all that going for them. So I just think that it's just kind of everything, all those things kind of unfortunately have worked against the, the Browns at this point. Uh, one other bit of news that I saw that caught my attention, uh, the Eagles have officially put linebacker Nakobe Dean on IR. Yeah, I'm not real sure how well he's played, to be honest. I think uh, one of the most difficult things for me to assess so far this year is the Eagles' defense in general. Uh, and uh, we're going to preview the uh, Eagles and the Chiefs game on Monday night during the Monday Sports Zone. Hey, Kayla, I think I meant to tell you that before and forgot. <laughs> but, but Making you know a mental now, note. Yeah, okay, well, you, I'll talk long enough. You can actually write it down uh, or you know, put it in your phone or whatever you're doing there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... I've had they've had so many players injured on defense, mainly in the in the secondary, that I, I have no idea what I think of the Eagles' defense at this point. Am I mistaken here that Nicobe Dean was actually hurt a little bit earlier on in the season? So yeah, maybe he this was. Entire yeah. season for him has just been marred by injury. He missed some time. Like I said, I don't have the little chart here of how many games he actually missed, but I know he's not been in there all the time. But uh, yeah, he's a rookie, and uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of talk. Rookie tight ends—that's the one. It's, that's the one position. It seems like the really difficult adjustment from college to the NFL because it's not just uh, catching passes; it's pass blocking in some case, not run blocking mainly. Excuse me, run blocking. The the, the linebacker, I think, especially an inside linebacker, that's got to be pretty close to the second most difficult spot. Even cornerbacks, it's just go cover the dude. You either cover him or you can't. You find that out pretty quickly. Uh, But uh, those two spots, I think, are pretty difficult to assess for rookies right off the bat. We'll save the Suns conversation for the other side of the break. We'll do that next. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll also take your phone calls of the next segment if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060. The Suns, the big three debut on hold. Bradley Beal was unable to play in last night's contest, but Devin Booker returned. We'll dive into all of that coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Pretty cool prize up on the website, up on the app right now. Download the app, register, and you could be eligible for some pretty sweet hardwood tickets. More Suns discussion, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in as well, is coming up on the other side of the break. Listener rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. November 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you would like to chime in, certainly feel free to do so. 602-260-1060. The Phoenix Suns last night, everyone was all seated, ready to go. 
for the Big Three debut, but it, it was put on hold. Bradley Beal was ruled out with back spasms shortly before the game got underway. Devin Booker, though, he suited up for the Suns. He returned with 31 points, 12 of 22, 2 of 7 from 3, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists. Kevin Durant... He also scored 31 points for the Suns. He was 11 to 15, two of two from three, six rebounds and six assists. As a team, the Suns shot 60% from the field. They limited their turnovers to just nine. It was a 133 to 115 victory over the Timberwolves. And for Devin Booker, he scored or assisted on the Suns' first 14 points to get things going. Yeah, a couple things, uh, just kind of uh, you know, piggybacking off some of the things you already pointed out there very astutely. Uh, you know, the Booker thing, you know, he was on a minutes restriction. They never tell you really after the fact what the plan was, but they didn't have to do a whole lot because it was a, kind of a blowout from start to finish. I think the other than the Beal not playing thing, I think the second most disappointing thing to me, it took about three seconds to figure out, that, well, the Wolves, have, they're not here. You know, they may physically be there, but after they won that game against the Warriors on uh, Tuesday night, they were no-shows mentally last night. They, at no point did they really show any incentive to win that game last night, which was disappointing because, you know, they'd won seven in a row. I was kind of looking forward to see what the, what's going on here. And it was just, other than Carl Anthony Towns, it was like they should have just left everybody else at home. Uh, it was a, a waste of a waste of time, quite frankly, which is unfortunately um, frequently the case in the reg- NBA regular season. But last night, actually, I thought I might learn something, but I didn't. As far as Durant, I don't understand why a guy that's averaging 37 minutes per game and you've got a 20-some point lead in the fourth quarter is still playing. Why? That's a chance for him to get some rest and. You know, God forbid he suffers another injury, which he's had in several seasons here of late. I have no, there's no explanation that I could possibly accept as to why he was on the floor at that point of the game. So leave it to me to challenge to see if you'll accept this. Not necessarily that I agree with it, but I'm just trying to come up with something here. The fourth quarter issues, they've had 15, 20-point leads in second halves and in fourth quarters and haven't been able to close the deal. Was that at all in the back of Frank Vogel's mind there? No. I mean, it took it took me three seconds watching on TV to realize that the Wolves were not going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, they, they weathered. If there, it was their sto- if there was a storm to weather, they were up by 20-something at halftime. It got to, like, 18. They called, like, two timeouts. And then it was up to like 25 or 27 points early in the fourth quarter. The game was over. There was no, they could have played with four guys on the court. And their worst four guys and the Wolves were not going to challenge them. There's no chance that was going to happen last night. Yeah, I was worried about that after the situation with the Warriors unfolded. It seems like the uh, there's something brewing here, and it's going to be something to monitor when these two teams uh, face off, not just even from the, the game before, but like earlier on in the season had some chirping back and forth. Uh, so we weren't going to get the Wolves that, you know, had jumped out to this 8-2 and two record uh, because they're playing on a back-to-back and just emotionally maybe a little bit spent from facing the Warriors. So that was a bit of a bummer to kind of see how this was all going to unfold with the big three. Then the big three wasn't out there. So 
there were some letdowns for sure. Uh, I realize, though, that it is the regular season and it is just one game, but we have certainly seen this happen time and again the real importance here of Devin Booker being on the court you know whether it's his scoring whether it's in certain ways where he's gotten uh better over time in his career his facilitating and then I think it really started to free up Kevin Durant as well uh because his numbers were much better last night well, but the way that game started, Durant didn't even take a shot for no. like the first seven or eight minutes of the game. It just he just basically deferred and whatever. I mean, it was basically the Devin Booker one-on-one show, uh, is what that was. And I don't know if he was just. I think part of it was he was so excited to be out there after missing five games this time with the injury, that uh, his energy level was just insane, and he just basically beelined it to the basket or got himself in position to make a. You know, to take a, a, a shot that he usually makes. And uh, so, yeah, I, unfortunately, uh, the people that paid money for this should have got a refund. And if I were at the game and paid for tickets, I would have seen if I could get a refund like three minutes into the game. It was a waste of time. Yeah, and and just kind of looking at this, you know, we've seen this before in the regular season, uh, just how good Devin Booker can be, uh, be explosive in these different areas, him and the, the, the tandem that he's got going with Kevin Durant here. But things tighten up when we get to the playoffs, and so that's why you needed somebody else. You needed to see how these different pieces are going to kind of come together, and many, many questions still remain. I realize we are just, what, 11, 10 games into the regular season. Right, and I know maybe we're never going to you know, change our stances on this, but almost nothing short of a catastrophic injury is going to change my mind about any of this before the playoffs actually start. Uh, so nothing that almost nothing I see during an NBA regular season game gets my attention very much. But I was looking forward to see the Wolves last night, but. The good news is, uh, after I kind of planned my day around the 7 o'clock start, uh, by 7.15 I was watching reruns of, what was I watching? NCIS last (laughs) night on whatever whatever the cable channel 180 on Cox is kind of what I was watching more of that because there was actually an episode that I somehow had missed in previous year, years from like literally 10 years ago. Uh, so that, that was uh, that was getting the focus of my attention and, uh, very early in that game last night. I was flipping back and forth during the, the commercials and so forth, but wasn't going to learn anything. I did take you know, a couple of notes, and I pretty much just threw all those out. And then I flipped back in the fourth quarter, and I, Durant's still out there. Uh, then I looked at the running score, and there was like one time maybe – in the third quarter that the the Wolves made a brick, brief little run and got under 20, but there was no rhyme or reason that they were going to have a chance to be competitive in that game. The one thing I do want to mention here for Bradley Beal ruled out with back spasms. Uh, i fortunate enough to never have had back spasms, but this doesn't really seem to be a good thing to be dealing with. It, it's not necessarily like... Uh, a wrist injury or even maybe necessarily a calf injury uh, because it can kind of like come up at any point in time. So this doesn't seem like something great for the Suns and for Bradley Beal to be dealing with. No, but but I think they're doing the right thing here. I actually have had back spasms and you don't know when the hell you're going to get them. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I didn't have the, uh, 
you know, the professional attention of, you know, a professional athlete has for something like this. It was just, uh, you know, basically, you know, getting old in this case or a softball career back in the day or just, you know, so forth. But uh, I've had those and uh, they're, you, they just kind of come out of nowhere, at least, you know, for somebody that didn't take the best care of himself, that happened to me. Uh, and uh, it's difficult, but I, I, I think they're doing the right thing. There, there's no reason for him to, you know, 10 games into the regular season to be playing if he's got some kind of ailment. And remember, he had the back issues to start the season, which cost him the first X number of games. Oh, absolutely. They're doing the right thing here uh, with treating this and being cautious with it. And if, if he's still experiencing problems, not to not to push it. Uh, some other NBA news here. The NBA did, in fact, suspend Draymond Green for his uh, chokehold on Rudy Gobert from the other night. Uh, comes out to be five games. And <laughs> interestingly here, the most games ever given in a suspension was to Ron Artest back in 2011-2012. I'm not sure if he was Meta World Peace at that point in time or if he still was Ron Artest, but that was seven games that was given. Yeah. Draymond Green comes in now with the second most games ever suspended for uh, what took place the other night. Well, it's absolutely ridiculous that they don't have the authority or power or the uh... – yeah, CBA to be able to give him more of a suspension because Draymond has been suspended a million times. He cost the Warriors a championship when he got suspended in the finals. He will never learn. And uh, as long as they can only hand out the slap on the wrist suspensions, he will never learn. And, uh, you know, there'll be a time here very soon, whether he, uh, you know, chokes a teammate or an opponent. Uh, that he'll be in the news again, and uh, it'll be okay. We're gonna—he's gonna sit out a few games, and this will really teach him, because there's apparently at least nothing that the NBA is capable of doing that will change him. I like watching him. You know, he's a tremendous passer for a big man. He's been a huge part of the Warriors' offense. I don't think that people realize the the fact that he sets screens and is a tremendous passer for. Yeah, Curry and Thompson, who were always running around and get, get you know, basically running around screens and and so forth. He's a big part of that. He's a good defender. It's unfortunate. Uh, the first thing I think of with Dray Draymond is just being a complete jerk on the floor and a cheap shot artist and not talking about his skill level, which is enormously high. I agree with you that this almost felt like it was absolutely not enough games uh, for a suspension. When it comes, though, to the Warriors as a team, early going for them, Steph Curry through 11 games, averaging 30.7 points per game. Chris Paul in 12 games, he's had three starts, 8.8 .8 points per game and a seven assists per game. When it comes to... Well, and, and now Steph's out for a few games with his situation right now. So Correct. we don't know when he's going to play. We don't know when he's going to play again. When it comes to the Clippers, will they get a win with James Harden since he's joined the team? They are winless. In fact, they are three and seven and they've lost six straight. The Clippers still trying to make some moves as they have uh, signed Daniel Theus to join the team after the Pacers buyout with him. But just I still scratching my head. James Harden, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. How how is it all going to work? It's not because James Harden's on the team. And at this point of his career, he's a cancer more than a player. Uh, you know, Daniel Tice is not going to make any difference for the, for the Clippers. 
He's a role player. He had some decent moments in his days in Boston, but he had uh, you know professional team players around him in Boston. Uh, and the other thing that caught my attention around the NBA, the Celtics topped the 76ers yesterday, 117 to 107. The Celtics are sitting at nine and two. No Kristaps Porzingis, no problem. And it kind of almost seemed like in some post-game comments that I saw from Joel Embiid that he's just like, man, the, the Celtics are good. And no Jalen Brown either. Correct. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm not a Porzingis guy. That could actually be a positive if he's not playing, in my opinion. Uh, but the fact that Jalen Brown's not playing and uh, against uh, their – did they play – they seem like they played like 50 times already this year. I'm not even paying close attention to the NBA. Uh, seems like they've already played – they only play them like five times a year. It seems like they've already played them like more than five times. Uh, so whatever. Uh, but once again, uh, you know, I don't know if the – sometimes these injuries are legitimate. Sometimes it's a load management thing. But I would think – that this must have been more than just a load management thing if you have your second-best player who is not playing against what's considered to be one of your top rivals in the same conference. And, of course, you know, you know, the, you know, you know, basically Giannis didn't play last night either because of whatever reason. So it's the NBA. Good yeah. luck. Have fun. <laughs> and if you want to watch, go ahead. I'll be back with you in April. Yeah, Giannis didn't play. The Bucks still got a victory. Damian Lillard went off with 37 points. So that's that in the NBA. But the in-season tournament, Bob, the in-season tournament. Oh, yeah, that'll get me going. Okay. Yeah, I, one thing I have noticed is these stupid courts that they have these guys playing on. Uh, well, one of them, apparently the paint was wrong, and they had to they had to get rid of the court, and they brought the, back the real court for whatever. I forgot what game that was. I just saw a thing on the Sports Center about this yesterday. Uh, so there's that. And then it's, I would think it's difficult because the way that the pain is and so forth, I would think it's difficult for the players to kind of figure out where they are on the court. There was one game that I saw some highlights from, and I thought that there was like a malfunction on my device that like yeah. <laughs> the screen had it's gone like out. <laughs> bad, bad paint jobs or something. What is going on here? I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall -wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Returning here to the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Download the app today. Make sure you register. Listener rewards available for you, including some pretty cool hardwood tickets. Contest is ongoing. Make sure you register. Key component to being eligible for the contest. It is Thursday. It is November 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you as we turn our attention to today's poll questions. And we get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question for the Ravens perspective of tonight's Thursday night contest. You can always podcast KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Bob talked with Luke Jones from WNST.net for all things Ravens. But when it comes to the question here, who do you have ATS tonight, Bengals plus four or Ravens minus four? Okay, first up, for all you historians out there, Lamar Jackson's 7-1 in his career as a starter against the Bengals. 
with 12 touchdowns and four interceptions. For me, more importantly, this season's Bengals defense has allowed the second most yards per play in the NFL. Uh, and, and they've also been really torched by big pass plays and run plays last week, at least, uh, against Houston. Pass plays all year, run plays last week against Houston. And Houston, before last week, hadn't been able to run the ball against really anybody and even tried to, in some cases, try to run the ball against teams. But they had no problem doing that last week with uh, you know Singletary you know, leading the uh, all NFL rushers in rushing yards for the, the whole league last Sunday. Uh, so that was against the Bengals' defense. Also, the Ravens' defense still leads the NFL in points per game allowed, yards per play, total sacks. That was even after last week when Deshaun Watson, with his broken shoulder, was 14-14 in the second half of that game and led them to the comeback victory at Baltimore. I have no betting interest in this game. And by the way, this game's down to three and a half pretty much everywhere. In fact, it is everywhere in Las Vegas that I have access to point spreads. So there's been some action on the Ravens this morning for whatever reason. But uh, me on the uh, on the Bengals today, they've been action on them. But even the multiple injuries, uh, that kind of steers me away as for, from a side in general. But uh, forced to ask the, answer the question here which is my own fault because I'm the one that came up with the question. <laughs> I, would, I would rather have the Ravens minus four than plus four. I'm in a contest, and I don't have to tick, pick this game today, so I'm not going to. But uh, it's even – I can't make a case for the Bengals right now. Uh, I just, I, I'm so concerned about their defense, which was so bad uh, last week against the run, and the Ravens want to run the ball first no matter who the coordinator is. Yeah, goodness gracious. Uh, I feel like this game for me changed. Uh, the goodness gracious thing is always a good good angle there. That's good. I like that. Good start. I should have used. I should have just used that when I started and just you know, got got done faster. Sorry. <laughs> so. Uh, but no, for for me, you know, it's it's certainly changed with some of the injuries that have occurred here. You do have the T. Higgins injury. You have no Sam Hubbard for the Bengals, as you mentioned. Uh, the Ronnie Stanley thing, and potentially uh, no Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens. I'm. I, I, so therefore, are you trying to figure out which injuries have more of an impact on these two teams? And I, I guess I'm thinking here in the direction that the Ravens are at home, the Bengals are on the road, so that would lean in their favor there being a home on a short week. Uh, both of these teams are coming off of bad losses in the sense that you know no one thought that the Bengals were going to necessarily lose to the Texans and in the way that they did you mentioned how they were chewed up on the ground giving up so much so many yards on the ground to a team that had struggled mightily to run the ball the Ravens losing in the fashion that they did questions here about you know the Bengals in this division it feels like this is a huge game for them not only in the AFC North but certainly uh just overall playoff perspective in the AFC I have to wonder is, is there something to this whole Ravens fourth quarter can they handle it uh so therefore I'm going to go with the Bengals plus four but I have absolutely like zero confidence in in this because whenever AFC North teams get together it's just an all-out defensive massacre 
<laughs> okay, okay, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the masses, though, they're on the Ravens minus four at 63% of the vote. Bengals plus four at 37% of the vote. That is KDOS1060.com. Uh, it does get started tonight, 6.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, sticking with the AFC North. Does Deshaun Watson's season-ending injury mean no postseason for the Browns? I think it certainly dampens their chances for sure because the defense is playing great, though, and you don't really need the offense to be incredibly explosive. You need the offense to limit turnovers so not creating holes for the defense to be in uh maintain field position and, and you need the offense to get you uh, a few points you, you you can't ask them to I, I mean sometimes i wonder how the steelers win games because their offense doesn't get points often uh but when it comes to just kind of thinking about where this browns offense is they already have uh, lost Nick Chubb. They've already lost a bunch on the offensive line, including Jack Conklin. So when you're thinking about how, who, what sort of position can kind of overcome some of those things, it's a quarterback who's pretty solid in what they're doing. Deshaun Watson had started to show signs of that in the last couple of games. So it's just really curious, as I've already mentioned, this AFC North beating up on each other. You could easily see uh, teams, you know, that have you just see so much parity right now in this particular division. Um, I'm just curious to see how it's all going to play out. But since I have to make an answer and a prediction here, I would say that, uh, yeah, this means no postseason for them. Yeah, I'll be really brief here. They're done. They're finished. Uh, you know, I watched DTR run around for seemingly a decade when he was at UCLA. Never did I think he was an NFL starting quarterback, maybe even for a game, let alone in a you know, career. Uh, and I completely understand why the Browns are, you know, they've seen enough of PJ Walker. I get that totally. Uh, but bottom line, just right to it. They're done for 20, 2023. And that's unfortunate because it looked like that they had started to get things together. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things here to the tune of 72.2% of the vote. No trailing at 27.8%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. So I thought it was interesting and this caught my interest with the Bills moving on from their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, and going in the direction of Joe Brady, but just taking a look at offensive coordinators and if they are, in fact, the team's play callers, and just kind of when we think about the offenses this season, there's been points down, yards down, everything is certainly down. So just kind of looking at the offensive coordinators and, and the play caller situations. When you look, though, at the NFC West here, you have the Cardinals with Drew Petzing. He is the offensive coordinator and the play caller. With the Rams, though, it's Sean McVay as the head coach. They have an offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur. The 49ers actually don't even bother having an offensive coordinator. Kyle Shannon as the head coach is the play caller. And the Seahawks with Shane Waldron, uh, offensive coordinator and play caller. In all, nine NFC offensive coordinators call the plays. And in all, 10 AFC offensive coordinators call the plays with one interim after the Raiders moved on from Josh McDaniels. But it got me to thinking, here 
there seemed to be this trend a couple of years ago about head coaches needing to be offensively minded, also being the play caller. After we've seen some evidence of this here, do you believe that it is imperative for a head coach to have that offensive mindset and to be the play caller? To me, I think it's better if the head coach isn't a calling plays on offense or you know defense, uh, you know, the defensive signals or whatever the scheme. Uh, the, the less that they have to do on game day, they got enough things going on on game day that uh, that's the better thing. I'll just touch on the Brady thing. Uh, I'm a little confused as to why this is seemingly going to immediately solve the problems in Buffalo, which I heard mentioned yesterday on some of the television shows I watched. Uh, yeah, he was tremendous at Well, he was with the Saints. He was never a play caller when he was with the Saints. He was on the offensive staff with you know Sean Payton. Then he went to LSU. And, hell, I could have called plays on that offense. That's one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen in college football in, like, 50-some years of watching college football. So, yeah, that was that was not a difficult achievement. Then he went to the uh, to the Panthers, and they, he was terrible. As It wasn't all personnel. He was bad. And he kind of – I don't even know where he went in between, from the Panthers and, and maybe he just went from the Panthers to the Bills because everybody that seemingly is on the Bills organization used to be with the Panthers at some point. So maybe that's it. But so this notion that he's suddenly – he's not a genius. He was a genius for one year when he had, like, the greatest offensive personnel in the last X number of years in college football. How tough was that? Uh, so, you know, this notion that he's going to turn around Josh Allen and this Bills offense, which I think lack playmakers, plural, uh, is certainly going to change. Why? I don't get it. I agree with you on the stance of the head coach uh, has so many in-game responsibilities to be yeah. managing situations that I really feel like – that's asking for a lot to be engrossed in what plays you're going to be calling because right from an offensive standpoint, you're trying to set things up three, four plays down, down the way. So you're thinking yeah. about a lot as a play caller. Then you have to be understanding of the situation here, here, this, that, whatever. Um, and I think evidence that said, yeah, this makes sense and this works was Nick Sirianni giving up that going into just being, I'm the head coach on game day. Shane Steichen was calling the plays and uh, Jonathan Gannon was on defense here. So each coordinator is responsible for their jobs. He's the head coach and look at the success that they were able to have. Um, and then I kind of wonder flip side of that. We know how great of a play caller Kyle Shanahan is. And is that sometimes what trips them up in some of these playoff games is that so focused on the play calls, sometimes those broader in-game decisions, uh, I don't want to say get overlooked, but maybe do because you're just asking one person to do so much. Yeah, I don't know about the Shanahan thing because he's had two meltdowns in his career. One meltdown when he was the coordinator in Atlanta and they had the big lead against the, the Patriots and some of his play calling in the second half that game was just kind of uh, mind-boggling. And it's, the other time is they should have won the Super Bowl, but Jimmy G couldn't throw a pass downfield that 99% of the quarterbacks in the NFL would have completed. That's why they lost that game. Uh, just real fast on this, 
you just look at the last two Cardinals head coaches. The current one, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he basically has a coordinator in, uh, on both sides of the ball that are in charge of the offense and the play-by-play, you know, the play, uh, the you know, play calling on offense and the scheme on defense. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury obviously was totally hands-on on the offensive side and didn't really pay much attention to the defense. It's funny, I watch Gannon now on the sidelines of the Cardinals' home games, and I kind of wonder, after watching Kingsbury over the years, it, it's you know, Gannon seems to complain more, not complain, he talks a lot to the referees, a lot. And even between possessions, he doesn't seem to really talk to too many players coming off the field. That's just my observation after you know, three or four or five home games, however many it's been at this point. Totally different than Kingsbury, who just basically did all the offense. And the second that Kyler Murray came off the field, he and Murray often went to the bench and looked at the 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 uh, the, 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 uh, the computer to see what they what what just happened out there. So just a, it's an interesting contrast just in the Cardinals' last two head coaches and how they've conducted themselves during games. Absolutely, and I guess the the narrative too that. Offensive play callers, if they have success as an offensive coordinator, end up getting head coaches up for head coaching positions. So then you're almost starting over. Uh, So that's why you would maybe want your head coach to be offensively minded and being the play caller so that continuity remains. That's like, I guess, the other side of the argument here. But I don't know. In-game decisions and situationally, whether it's, very heavy analytics or not, I think is important to kind of have a pulse on that. Yeah, he has his little note card there. I'd like to know what's on that note card. I mean, it is it's the not smallest like the big... note card in the world. Exactly. It's not like the big you know menu that we've seen for coaches looks like a you know, going to a restaurant. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. of the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we had a Ravens and Bengals preview, Luke, uh, uh, Luke Jones from uh, WNST.com, .net, excuse me. Uh, Baltimore join us on Friday at 10:15. We'll preview Cardinals and Ravens, Cardinals and Texans. My bad, I got the Ravens on the brain, obviously, uh, with Jason Bristol uh, from KHO, KHOU. There we go. Makes sense. Houston, duh. Uh, in Houston, that also makes sense. Uh, sound day courtesy of uh, just lost my place. It happens all the time. Not all the time, but it just did. Here we go. CBS, Fox. Uh, 3TV, also NBC Sports Bay Area and NBC Sports Boston. Through highlights today, 
And special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Coming up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. ASU women's basketball, they uh, hit the road for the first time in the young season against Grambling State. That's a pregame at 4.30 and a tip at 5. And you can listen to it over on KAZG 1440 AM as well as KDOS1060.com slash Sun Devils. Thursday night football, Bengals and the Ravens. Uh, last I saw on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it was currently Bengals plus three and a half, Ravens minus three and a half, over under sitting at 46 and a half. And that contest gets underway at 6.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. NFL Network saw an average of 5.8 million viewers for the games that took place in London and Frankfurt. That's a 13% increase from international games a year ago. Spectrum-wise, Chiefs versus Dolphins, 9.2 million average. Colts versus Patriots, 4.6 million average. It's a, a fr- bad football. Yeah. It's a Friday spread tomorrow. Brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Looking to get back into the win column. We'll also have our prop bet segment as well with Brian Blewis from Pro Football Network. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. The Sports Zone, though, gets us started at 10 a.m.